Hello everyone. Welcome to the Startup and Career Show. This is the podcast where we discuss about the professional journeys of distinguished leaders across the spectrum, including startup founders, corporate leaders, authors who share their real life experiences. Today we have with us Mr. Rakesh Devan, Chairman of Mogan Bearings India. He is a serial entrepreneur, an industrialist, and an author. A very warm welcome, Rakesh. Glad to have you on the podcast today. Thank you. So, ladies and gentlemen, Rakesh is going to share insights on his illustrious journey as a serial entrepreneur, as well as his new book, Take the Chance, where he goes on to explain why not to say no when we can indeed say yes to various situations or opportunities that life throws at us. So, Rakesh, to begin with, would request you if you could share your professional journey all these years, right from your corporate world to being an entrepreneur. Thank you, Rishabh. Um... I come from a family which, uh, you know, who have all served in the corporate world. And that, that I think, was a kind of uh, family background and the culture. And uh, I followed suit in the sense that post my education as an economist, I joined uh, as a senior management trainee in uh, the DCM group at that time. Uh, so, uh, you know, I found uh, that things moved pretty quick and fast. And... Two years later, I had, of course, left DCM and joined American Universal, which was a company with uh, its ground in America and uh, in, in the FHP motor business in India. The first one to enter this business was, was them. So I found that I got my breaks pretty quick and fast, faster than I, than I expected. And by the time I was uh, age 29, as I mentioned somewhere, um, I was the head of uh, that company, uh, uh, motor division. I was not a, a you know engineer. Uh, no no credentials to be there. But whatever it was, time, uh, chance, opportunity, I got it. And then uh, the next ten years, I spent in that space in that company as a chief executive, having to turn it around because the company was making losses. Had about two thousand employees and so on. And clearly at 29, I was among the youngest of the team, you know, at um, that point. So the, in, in the first two years of being with them, I was able to uh, sort of change the fortunes of the company and found that we went back, back into black from being in the red. And then I served the company for another eight years. That means 10 years all as chief executive. And then I left. So that is as far as my corporate part is concerned. Um, the second part, of course, was becoming and becoming uh, entrepreneur, you know. So I had been thinking of that three years prior to when I left the company, didn't want to leave them in a lurch. So worked with them, let them know that I was there for the next uh, three years. I told them in advance. And, um, and then, you know, started my journey as an entrepreneur. So, um, as uh, probably you know, one day you find that you are sitting on 2,000 people, you ring the bell and there's plenty of people to answer the bell. And the next day when you take this leap, leap of faith, I would say, you become an entrepreneur, and you start your business, and unless you have a ready-made business, uh, all this motivational, uh, you know, stuff, which is, I want to be, do, be on my own and all that, sounds very glamorous. I can tell you with conviction that it's not. 
It's not. Being an entrepreneur is, uh, you face the realities of what it means and then suddenly uh, you, you kick yourself as to why the hell did you uh, do what you did. So, all right. Now, would you like me to describe my journey as an entrepreneur now or, or we move on to describe it? Okay. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Please. Yeah. So as an entrepreneur, you know, I mean, uh, in the beginning, I thought I would uh, get into merchant trading because obviously it doesn't need that kind of investments and so on. You just need who. However, that movement did not take place. And for the first nine months, basement uh, waiting those days there were faxes and there were uh, this, this modern communication was not there waiting every day for the fax to ring and something to to, to emerge did not emerge and then uh, i said all right i can't keep sitting waiting for orders to come in so let me move and then from there the movement started and i wanted to you know start business with russia and uh, in the same area that i was which was home appliances and motors and uh, wasn't getting a break, but uh, in the defense ministry there, they were the ones running the production for, for these items. So I went to Moscow and I landed in the morning and I'd been in touch with them earlier. But when I went there, I discovered that the minister, deputy minister who was in charge of these uh, you know, areas in the defense ministry was leaving for India the same evening. You know, it just happened to be. So I had come all the way and the man who I wanted to meet and talk to wasn't going to be there. So I, you know, the first thing I did was go get my flight changed to return the same evening on the same aircraft. And, um, uh, you know, hopefully with the opportunity to meet him and move forward. So, um, so that's what it was. It just turned out to be an opportunity to meet him because a three hour flight, uh, you know, and he was virtually alone spoke only the Russian language, not the English language. And so there were, there were hurdles to, to this thing. But uh, at the end of it, that one journey changed my entry into the export market, so to say, for this thing. So by the time we came to the Indian airport and met for lunch and so on, a bond had been created. And from that bond, I never had to look, for, look back as far as this one initiative is concerned. Russian business, within one year, had touched 100 crores and we were officially uh, recognized export house. Uh, 100 crores those days meant a lot more than what, what it means today. I'm talking more than 30 years ago. So that time it was, it was big. Absolutely. And then once we had got a step in, then from Russia, we, we, we moved to other areas, other products. And I found that I was representing many, many large Indian companies uh, in the same space. So for color picture tubes, for example. All the manufacturers of color picture tubes in India, uh, you know, made me their official agent, not one, all. So if, if, if the Russians had to come into India, there was no way they could do, uh, you know, without, without my support, so to say. So like that, uh, this is one uh, part of the entrepreneurial journey which got covered and I had established export house. At the same time, I had always wanted to get into manufacturing. As I told you, I was in motors yeah. and I was known in the industry. So a lot of colleagues who were there because this company in um, you know, motors, which I was American Universal, uh, got sold to G, G Motors. So as far as G is concerned, uh, you know, 
they were they are a large company and they, their footprint was already there but they took over they bought the company over so now i set myself a goal which was that we would be larger than ge in india at least that that is a big goal at that time we didn't have the financial resources and all that and that struggle i'll tell you later but step by step the ge team in fact many of the members of that decided to join me uh, because they felt that uh, you know that the passion was there and there's a little difference between a startup which you're doing and established mncs because mncs have their own uh, systems and so on so that was the advent into manufacturing and then we did in two years time become the largest in india larger than ge and so on so that another part of the journey unfolded and thirdly i'm just mentioning there were many many but the thirdly uh, you know beyond a point after five years i did not want to continue working even for myself uh, in the conventional space i want to do something that makes a difference to others and to all the knowledge that uh, you know i had spent and acquired and i was already in in uh, 30s uh, at that time so uh, i went uh, to the us and i spent time with jack canfield who's a motivational speaker and chicken soup for the soul uh, author and so on one of the best resources in the world right so that and then i went to the kennedy school of government harvard uh, university to tone up my understanding of leadership my understanding of so many techniques and uh, knowledge transfers that took place invaluable so they happened because i went there i just was seeking that and then i came back and i started my workshop created a academy called the star academy and started uh, workshops which were focused on leadership teamwork self empowerment and so on i mean it you could apply it for yourself you could apply it for the company you could apply it anywhere but the basic tools were available so that was another part and that's how my journey has been uh, running fields i so i was in the manufacturing i was of course in trading and then i was in retail as well and so little blocks of each sector and but wherever we were we did succeed in becoming the the biggest in the in the country so whichever whatever we touched we did not settle for second second best we settled for being the best there was in india at least wow this is awesome rakesh because uh, you know especially uh, when you are a startup and when you have a goal of becoming as big or bigger than ge for example at least in the indian market that itself was a huge goal uh, you know when when you started out right i mean so that's a indeed and another major part of that which i look back with some satisfaction is that uh, you know we also even in manufacturing we we had customers outside india and 60% of our turnover came from exports so these were multinational buyers and had access to all whether the chinese or the americans or whatever else but we managed to do that and managed to do that with very very less resources because that's one of the biggest problems in the beginning uh, it was not the way startups are today which you can get funded by on you couldn't you couldn't raise finance and say all right i'm two years in this business and i have a good vision but uh, can i can i take some money off you you can't uh, so i had to encounter that uh, oh absolutely so so you actually you became a startup founder when the startup word was not a buzzword in itself right right absolutely absolutely and that was the problem because if you start something 
it's okay but you have a vision of becoming world class without money i can tell you it is a very very uphill task <laughs> so but we started climbing and somehow we have climbed so we managed but, to but rakesh i want to ask you the question because i read this in the book as well right uh, uh, about about your trip to russia the first ever right so if you can just throw some little more light because and i'm intrigued to ask you this because what can a startup make a person do you know so you fly back to moscow and you get to know that the person is coming to india you take the same flight you know so so uh, if you can just go back in time and analyze what made you take those decisions because it's not a, a small decision per se so as far as i am concerned i am guided by my instincts and i'm guided by a desire to do and if i want to do then i don't stop i don't stop speed is one of the i think resources uh, it doesn't cost money to to do it fast but it is intention you need to have that intention and you need to not to be overwrought so uh, meeting the minister defense minister for the first time and striking at this thing and doing it immediately in the same day which means that you've gone and you've got a flight back so it's not that you measure or i measured uh, as a strategy it's something that comes instinctively it came instinctively and decided to back myself so that's one of the things i do do i back myself very very much so in the bargain sometimes there are losses and sometimes there are uh, wins so I, as long as the wins uh, outweigh the 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 loses <laughs> losses we are okay so that's all I, i i mean on the russian trip all that i discovered was that had i not acted with that kind of speed i mm. wouldn't have that opportunity was not mine it got created because i did and when you sit next to a person for three and a half hours and uh, uh, you know then um, things do change changed <laughs> so that is that's what i can tell you that was that was awesome so actually uh, you know bookmark that portion you know because i found this very because i've done so many conversations with different startup founders and right. you know whenever something different comes up i i do try and pinpoint those areas and so this was one of that portion i found it because it meant a lot of conviction for somebody to take that uh, decision right yeah yeah like sure I, those I days i agree with that i mean it was conviction and backing your conviction and knowing that if you stick with it something will come out of it i didn't know what will be the end result at that time i didn't know true but the end result turned out to be far greater than i could have ever expected actually oh, absolutely absolutely so rakesh uh, coming to the book uh, that you've written right take the chance so what made you write this book in the first place if i may ask certainly you uh, you should ask and i'm happy that you're asking <laughs> uh, all my life Uh, i told you that i went into doing these workshops when i went to us learned from jack canfield and then the kennedy school so i empowered myself and the one common thing i discovered is that ultimately if you really want to create something worthwhile then you have to take a risk you have to go out of the comfort zone and you have to take those chances because if you're going to stick to the straight and narrow and do what uh, what will come uh, automatically you'll go so far but it is not something that that you can ensure that you'll you know be able to cross a certain hurdle or outrun other people you're not the only one running there are so many people running opportunities are what they are so take the chance is the recognition of that 20 years of 
working with people, doing all these workshops with the primary understanding that if you take the, you can only take the chance if you get out of the comfort zone, right? Comfort zone, you understand, everybody understands that uh, habitually, whatever we are comfortable doing, that is what we do more often than not. We think it's our skill, it's our um, uh, win area. So let me stick to that. So we may be exposed to a, a certain, uh, you know, industry or a certain uh, kind of environment where we think we've got a better chance and we carry on with that. But actually the limitations are the limitations of uh, the comfort zone. We continuously do what we have always done, supposing that becomes our habit, that we go to the, it's a, it might look like it's a very intelligent move, this, uh, you know, going into that and doing something that celebrates your own strengths. But in reality, you, you skip out so many opportunities if only you had gone into what we call the discomfort area. Comfort area is within your own skill set. Discomfort happens when you uh, go out, like, like from a prison where you feel safe, but then you open the door, find a way to open the door, open the key and walk out. And then in a world where you have to again reinvent yourself, that world is an uncomfortable world. It's not a comfortable world. So to be able to recognize that whenever I'm really feeling uncomfortable, uncomfortable, then I'm now operating out of my comfort zone because people can have academic discussions on comfort zone, but it doesn't really tell you what to do and how to get out of it. So I don't know whether I can use this uh, forum for giving you a small demo on this uh, breaking the comfort zone so that you, you would yes, know. Please. Absolutely. Yeah. So you just need to follow me and sure. uh, now watch my hands. You, yeah. you bring your hands together like this. So you're okay. going to be my subject right now. So, so <laughs> then go like this, go like this. Choose to see whether your right thumb is on top or left thumb is on top. Left. Remember it. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. Disengage. Disengage. Do it again. Do it one more time. Same thumb came on top. Did the same yeah. thumb come on top? Okay, yes. Great. All right. So then you can disengage right now and relax for a while. Tell me. Um, do you want to know? What is uh, the significance of having your right thumb on top or left thumb on top? I've made you do it, mm. but you don't know why. I mean, it doesn't seem to make sense. So would you like to know that a lot of research has been done in this area as, as to what does it mean? Yes, definitely. It could have been right on top. It could have been left on top. In your case, it was left on top if yes. I got yeah. left on top. So research shows that actually uh, left thumb on top means you're a visionary that you can think two steps beyond, three steps beyond. You don't only think of the immediate future. You think beyond that. that that's what visionaries are. Vision, people who have vision only. So the right thumbers are the action people. The left thumbers are the visionaries, okay? No vision, nothing's going to get created. No action people, nothing's going to actually uh, happen. Um, do you want to be a visionary? Yes. You want to be a visionary? Yeah. You like being a visionary? I like. I'm asking you. You like being a visionary? Yes. All right. So I'm sorry to disappoint you because there's no such research. The real, <laughs> purpose, the real purpose of this uh, demo is to, again, do it with me and this time the real reason will come up. Just bring your hands together. Now. Yeah. In the old way. 
Now rearrange your finger and thumbs once again, like this. Change it. Is that comfortable or uncomfortable? A little uncomfortable, I'll say. A little uncomfortable. Yeah. So what would you prefer to do if you had a chance? Uh, now, possibly I'll go with this uncomfortable setting. Otherwise, so that, I would have gone through the comfortable one. Yeah, right. So there's an immediate human response. There's no right way, wrong way. There's only a habitual way, right? So when we keep doing an action again and again, in whichever way we do, we form a neural passage in our brain, which reconfirms to us that uh, you know we are in the right direction because the neural passage is deep. And as long as we repeat the same action the way we've always been doing it habitually, then we'll find ourselves comfortable. Okay. So what it shows is if you hang on with this physical exercise and keep your hands in the uncomfortable position for five minutes only, five minutes, you will find that your brain has adapted and now you are as comfortable as you were the first time, 100%. So uh, in real life, life is not about doing exercises. Life, life is about living and finding. So it may not be five minutes in real life when you are feeling this discomfort. It may not be as soon as anybody steps out of the comfort zone, this sense of uh, discomfort will come. It may take one month, it may take three weeks, it may take six months to adapt. But certainly if you are able to hang out that period and not get discouraged and not, not uh, you know, yield to this temptation to go back to the comfortable area, then you'll find that you can, then there are no limitations. The barriers that stop you from moving have gone because we have decided that we are not getting daunted by the barriers. So the moment I discovered that, part of, in the book too, also in, um, in, in real life, as a life coach, this is the one training that I really emphasize, which is how to get out of the comfort zone and how to welcome discomfort. In other words, people who really take the chance who can take the chance are only people who are willing to be uncomfortable for some time. If you want to be comfortable all the way through, then those big opportunities are going to find it more, much more difficult to you know, get. But those who adapt and say, all right, I'll also take the chance, whatever the chance may be. And the chance is not only for being successful, it's True. a chance for in life, whatever it could be. It, it could be about relationship, it could be about anything. When we take a chance, uh, all it means is that we are willing to try new, innovative ways of handling the situation and then things turn around. So, so comfort zone, so this take the chance, the book by written, written it with the intention of people to discover that why am I hanging back, worried about jumping off? I need to be on the cliff, I need to be able to jump off, I need to be able to let go. I need, don't need to overthink about what the consequences will be. And if I've taken the jump and then stayed in the outside the comfort zone, then the opportunity to regather and make something great out of it is definitely possible. Wow. Such an inspirational one, Rakesh, no doubt about it. You know. Thank you. And, and in fact, Rakesh, you know, uh, the book cover that you have, right? You've, you've written a beautiful caption as well. You know, it says, don't say no, if you can indeed say yes. And you've shared a few illustrations as well. You know, so I would request you if you could share some of them for our listeners, maybe one or two. All right. So, so I'm going to give you one or two examples and I'll give it to you from my life itself or from my own experiences. Sure. Where this yes has given me results which no would not. 
So one of them, uh, let's say, was yes to taking the chance and not getting daunted, saying yes to uh, uh, you know challenges and uh, all that. I mean, uh, opening myself to the possibility of being destroyed and yet welcoming that uh, this thing. So that positive approach to to uh, upsets in life, right? So. I was heading that factory, which I told you, and we had put that factory in um, Badi, which is about 100 kilometers or 80 kilometers from Chandigarh, 70, 80 kilometers in Himachal Pradesh. So one day I came home and it was my birthday next uh, morning. And, um, uh, you know, I, uh, I was reading uh, some articles. I'm a Buddhist by, uh, by conviction. And so I was reading that and the title of the book was Today again, I will not be defeated. That was the title of the book that I was reading. So that thought had got into my head. Anyway, I practiced this. I, so I will not be defeated. 12 o'clock at night, there's a call from my factory and the general manager calls me and says, sir, we are finished. I'll take a little taken aback. What do you mean I've finished? He says, sir, the factory has got fire. It was a three and a half story large factory. Completely raised, completely, I mean, that was the only factory at that time we had. Uh, later on, we added many plants, but that. So, and he says, uh, we are finished because it's all burned down. So I said, I told him, I spontaneously it came up to me and I have 12 o'clock at night. I said, no, we are not finished. We, you know, one plant has burned down. That is the factual position. We are not finished. You are alive, I am alive. We have still, we can still do. Tomorrow morning, I'll come over and then let's see what we can do. So next morning I caught a train and, uh, should, uh, and went there. When I reached there, you know, TV cameras, uh, fire engines, all of that. It was it was absolutely ruined. But I can tell you, Russia. I mean, my, in terms of my mental response, I must have spent maximum two minutes watching this uh, whole thing as if it was an outside phenomena. Not that my factory was burning, but a factory was burning and so on. And then I turned around and I called the team. So they expected that I would be shattered by actually seeing what I was seeing, that you know, all, all our investment was gone to, we didn't have that kind of money. So I told them, I said, it was the month of September, which is near Diwali. And we were in the home appliance business as part of the businesses, which meant that we make mixies and coolers and all these various kitchen appliances. And we were OEMs to many large companies, brands. So they looked at, I said, in three days, we want a running plant again. How can you create a plant in three days? It's, it's a preposterous statement to make, first of all. It, it, it's not possible, not doable. Anyway, I said, three days, three days. And... Uh, you know, a lot of help came from the environment and we rented out, leased out a plant. Obviously you can't create a plant and did everything that we could. That month, September, in these circumstances, which I'm describing to you, was our month in which we had the highest ever production in the history of our company. That when the whole factory had burned down. So this, Yes to, I will not be defeated. This yes to, uh, you know, uh, fighting it regardless of what, what 
So when you do that, then your team is inspired by the same kind of sentiment. No, I mean, they didn't have a defeated leader. They had somebody who was saying, all right, let's do it. And then we were, I mean, our customers were amazed. Everybody was amazed. How do you do when, when you don't have a plant anymore? <laughs> so, but in the plant that we so-called um, temporary plant, highest ever production in the history of the company. So this, this actually brings home that thing that you have to say yes to challenges. And so you have to say yes uh, to taking the chance, regardless of what, what your brain tells you that it's not possible. Will not be defeated, must translate into some action that again brings you to life. And we came back to life and how. And so that, that uh, is one, uh, one example. And I'll show you one quickly, the next example. And the next example was uh, saying yes to uh, doing things uh, differently. you doing things differently, all right? So, there's, so uh, we were basically competing with China. And China, the uh, Chinese hands work very fast. The labor is very committed and does the job it's supposed to do. Indian labor, we trained them, motivated them, but there was a limit. They, they have their whatever tea or talk or whatever else, but they don't work continuously. It's not like this. So I decided that I must change the culture of my company. And therefore, I went to 10 or 11 of them, and then 20 of them. I got a Chinese Rakesh, general manager. Rakesh, can you repeat a bit? I said, I got. Chinese workers hmm. from a plant which is manufacturing motors, similar, similar to what I was doing. I got a Chinese general manager and gave them a line in my plant. And then I had this Indian uh, teams versus the Chinese team, but in my own plant. And now every day on the board, the Chinese team uh, would normally uh, outperform us by 2x. If we could do 100, they were doing 200. The Indian teams, first of all, thought this is, uh, you know, when they saw that actually they were being outperformed, then the little pride which everybody had, they could not allow the Indian Indians to be shamed like they were being shamed. Didn't have to say one word. Over a period of two months and then over a period of one year, the, our productivity went to the Chinese level. And, uh, and today we can compete with China on pricing, on plant, on everything, mainly because we, we demonstrated to our people, no lectures, not one single word, just the physical proof. And so that's another one that I found uh, that we did, uh, you know, which was out of the box, but based on the same philosophy of take the chance, travel the road, less travel, and don't continue to beat the horse. No, there's no requirement of that. Make donkeys become horses. So when donkeys become horses, then of course things change. Wow, this is awesome, Rakesh, because this is really unconventional. Yeah, it, it, it really. I, I haven't heard of this. And I found time and again that when you do the unconventional thing with, with conviction, mm -hmm then the results you get are a lot different if you were to follow the normal road. True, true, true. Absolutely. So, uh, Rakesh, uh, you know, from the outside, uh, you know, your journey seems to be such a wonderful one with multiple startups. You had a successful exit as well, but you would have faced many roadblocks, right? I mean, the one that you faced were, was the, uh, the plant completely burned down. But apart from it, there was something else as well, right? The challenges that you would have faced. Maybe if you could share uh, some of them and how did you overcome 
those areas. I'll be happy to do that. I, the, I mean, you know, there are different businesses. Challenges were different. But one common challenge was finance. Hmm. Didn't have the money to back up uh, this vision and so many, uh, say, calling yourself a serial entrepreneur sounds exciting. The reality is you're dealing with multiple businesses and one common thing requires, you can't be the number one in India without having money to set up. True. So that was one thing. So how does one um, get overcome that uh, one? This organization is another common challenge. I mean, in the beginning, people, not everybody wants to join you a startup. And it was not a startup world those days. It was a world where uh, people preferred the security of MNC and so on to join. If you ask a young man, where do you want to join? Uh, he's not going to join a, uh, you know, a fledging uh, company. He's going to join an established company. And so I discovered one strength. And that strength is that if you treat your partners, whoever the partners are, including your suppliers, including your buyers, including the financial institutions, including the banks, everybody. Uh, they were, I mean, we were so transparent with them in everything, didn't try tricks. I, I have, you know, I mean, and now my children are also in the business, but actually telling you, people don't believe it in India also. We don't try to influence the environment with any other inducements at all. That's a no, 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 no. Transparency is a yes, 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 yes. Actual part. So even when you build relationships of trust with, with different ones, the response comes. So as far as I'm concerned, the roadblocks and all that started moving away when some of them realized that we were passionate and that we could do it and that we would do it. And then they teamed up. I mean, we had banks after us, not the other way around. Even yeah. though we were startups. So, and we got all the help and in record time. So we needed at that time for the export business, something like five crores for um, you know a short period because we were dealing in that quantity. Two days for a multinational um, nationalized Indian bank to do that without any inducements, any inducements is very, very difficult. I can tell you two days because I needed it. They gave it to me, they went out of the way. So that philosophy paid off uh, removing the roadblocks uh, on the way, whether the financial or they were organizational or whatever else. And then uh, there, there's one thing that I wanted to uh, share with you on this only. Um, so the other part was, uh, as I said, um, uh, to adversity, I've told you, but to innovation, hmm. for example, the technology used in my plants, for example, were state of the art, but modified state of the art. I did not buy the best equipment from the best, uh, this thing. So this use of technology, innovation, the human mind, I think we have used and harnessed creativity very well. So that creative uh, thing, when you can harness, then all the employees who are with you, uh, work as a force much stronger than one can possibly, uh, you know, dream. So step by step, we did. And then we found that we had become number one in our area of business as far as manufacturing is concerned. Certainly number one uh, in terms of uh, merchant exports, also in retail, all that. So success came uh, 
in uh, many ways, but it came through uh, basically transparency, trust, and empowerment. Uh, trusting your own people, mm. and slowly you develop the reputation when you do not oblige people as a way of uh, going forward, yeah. but choose to be collaborative, uh, be a partner actually, mm. then things work in a different way. So I think we've been able to demonstrate the success of true trust and uh, partnerships. Oh, absolutely, Rakesh. I think it's been wonderful speaking to you. And, uh, you know, uh, even when I was reading the book, as I mentioned you earlier, I just finished it off in around two and a half days flat, you know, where I just Thank couldn't you. keep the book aside. It was such, uh, with such interesting stories and real life experiences, not only from your end, but also, you know, there, there was right. so many uh, other distinguished sure. leaders as well that you've covered. So it was amazing, amazing uh, read as well. So Rakesh, uh, I think it's it's like a Bible, you know, for, for somebody starting up new to go through these things. I'm sure it will provide them tons and tons of wisdom as well. So Rakesh, uh, you know, before you leave, just the last advice that you would want to give to the early, uh, you know, startup founders who would be venturing it for the first time. I mean, I don't know about what one single piece of advice to give like that. But uh, what strikes me, of course, is uh, amongst all the different beliefs, uh, to be an entrepreneur, you should, uh, any entrepreneur should be willing to undergo a, a certain amount of discomfort. That's for sure. I mean, it's not, it's not all comfortable. It cannot be. And two, uh, the role of self-belief, backing your own self, mm. is a necessity. If one wants to do it on the strength of other people and hold the rope, it's not possible. We need to believe that I'm going to jump off. I'll have to create. I'll make mistakes. I will have failures. But it's okay. I'm going to say yes to all these, to failure, to I must say yes to all this. Before, uh, you know, it's not a matter of only being successful in life. So that um, whatever they plan to do, they must actually believe in that. If they don't believe and just take on the first thing that they think, is going to work out, then uh, that is, uh, you know, something that's not the best way of doing it. The best way of doing it is to search around, know what you want to do, and then you may not know, but you should know where you want to go. That is the first important thing. Where so, do I want to go? I go what, uh, what are the, uh, I mean, the same questions you asked me, they'll be asking themselves. And uh, hopefully two, three years around, um, they will also find, they'll find their own feet and they'll find their goals. So, yeah. Absolutely, Rakesh. I think, uh, you know, thank you, Rakesh, for taking out time today. You know, uh, it was lovely speaking to you on, the, on this podcast today. Excellent. Thank, thank you thank so you. very much. I enjoyed being on the show too. Thank you. Great. So to all our listeners as well, thank you everyone for joining us today. Goodbye. Signing off for now.